I want you to hit me as hard as you can. This athletic and charming man was once the most sought-after action star in Hollywood. But now it seems like nobody wants to feast with this kung-fu fighting vampire superhero from the future. Sir Wesley Snipes excels at comedy, action-packed super stuff, mysterious crime thrillers, and even the occasional tear-jerking drama. That's right, Wesley Snipes can do it all. Yep, he's one of the few Hollywood tough guys that actually can walk the walk and kick the kick and punch the, the, the punch. Over the years, he has earned a reputation of being difficult to work with. And he's had a few run-ins with the law, resulting in some hard time. And now it seems like he's destined for the direct-to-video market, but there have been a few sparks of hope with some interesting supporting roles recently. But are these enough to unfreeze his career and bring Wesley Snipes back to the top? Let's find out on today's WTF episode, where we ask the question that's been on everybody's mind since, like, Blade 3. What the f*** happened to Wesley Snipes? But to truly understand what the f*** happened to Wesley Snipes, we must start at the beginning. Wesley Snipes was born in Florida, but grew up in the Bronx. He studied martial arts from the age of seven because he was small for his age and wanted to defend himself while living in the Bronx. He studied acting, dance, and music at a performing arts high school. And during this time, young Wesley was developing his skills, and this led to his first movie role. In 1986, there was a movie called Wildcats, and Wesley Snipes was in it. It's a fun little football movie, and it was the first of many collaborations between Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes. And for both of these young future mega movie stars, this was their first feature film credit. Woody and Wesley, BFFs. Wesley Snipes can really credit the launch of his career, not with a movie, not with a TV show, but with a music video. And not just any music video. It was bad. And bad was good. Really good. This young thespian impressed everyone, including Michael Jackson himself and the director, some dude named Martin Scorsese. Performance in the bad music video impressed people like Spike Lee, who offered Snipes a role in Do the Right Thing. But Snipes turned it down to take on a major role in the major motion picture, Major League. This hilarious sports comedy is one of the best of its kind. And this movie has an absolutely stellar cast. But of course, Wesley Snipes was an absolute scene stealer. This film was a huge hit, and of course, Wesley Snipes was an overnight success. And his new movie star status went straight to his head. Faster than one of those fastballs. Director David S. Ward said that even though Snipes was very athletic, he was a horrendous baseball player in real life, and had trouble even throwing the ball. Hence the reason why we never see his character throwing a ball in the movie. Go watch the movie, you'll never see it because it never happens. Let's check right now. No, no, it's not there, he doesn't. Because he can't. That's what movie magic's for. Wesley Snipes did not return for the sequel, Major League Two, simply because he thought he was too famous, and thought returning to this silly baseball franchise was beneath him, and the role was cast with Omar Epps. Hollywood said, close enough, 
A string of solid pictures with great performances from Wesley soon followed. There was the King of New York in 1990, and Snipes absolutely shines in this all-star gangster flick. Go watch it. Shut the fuck up, motherfucker! And the wonderfully stylish, hip-hop-flavored crime thriller, New Jack City, in 1991 from director Mario Van Peebles. The lead role of Nino Brown was specifically written for Snipes after the writer saw him in that music video, The Bad One, and he is absolutely terrifying and absolutely super cool as this gangster drug kingpin. Like I said, Wesley Snipes is absolutely amazing in New Jack City, and he's surrounded by an amazing ensemble cast. People like Ice-T, Judd Nelson, Chris Rock, Flava Flav, and more. And everybody is sporting the dopest bling I have ever seen in a movie. The movie truly embraces the post-Scarface era of the gangster film. This early 90s crack-fueled crime film is served up on a perfect platter of pure cinematic hip-hop in the best way possible. If that makes any sense, it makes sense to me. Then in 1992, there was a movie called The Water Dance, where he plays a man in a wheelchair. It's a drama with 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Tomatoes. And even though he missed out on Do the Right Thing, eventually he got to work with the great Spike Lee, with films like Mo' Better Blues and Jungle Fever. In Mo' Better Blues, he plays a saxophone player, and in Jungle Fever, he gets to have an affair with a Caucasian secretary. And it's oh so scandalous. Then came White Men Can't Jump in 1992. This is one of Stanley Kubrick's favorite films, believe it or not. And Wesley was so happy to team up with his pal Woody Harrelson again. This time they weren't playing football, now they're playing basketball. Woody Harrelson played the white man who may or may not be able to jump. And the chemistry between Woody and Wesley is wonderful. It's a funny, heartwarming film that makes you just want to go out and shoot some hoops. White Men Can't Jump had an interesting audition process. Before actors were even able to run lines, the director would make sure they could ball. And many big names, like Keanu Reeves, lost out on the part simply because they ain't got no skills on the court. And just like with baseball in Major League, Wesley Snipes was not very good at basketball either, even though he's a great athlete you know, in stuff like martial arts and dancing. But the director said that he possessed the swagger of a good basketball player, which is all that matters in a movie because, you know, movie magic, you don't actually have to be a good basketball player to be a good basketball player in a movie, you know, like Air Bud or Space Jam or Flubber. White Men Can't Jump was the 16th highest grossing movie of 1992, and that's, that's pretty good, I think. It's, you know, at least the top 20, so. Way to go. And just like Stanley Kubrick, this is one of my favorite Wesley Snipes movies. Because Stanley Kubrick and I share the exact same tastes. Oh, it hurts! Oh, it hurts! It hurts so bad! Oh, hey, hey, baby, let me tell you something. I don't mean to brag, but I'm the greatest! I am the greatest! Then in 1992 came Passenger 57. And this was the start of Wesley Snipes, the action star. He plays a man named Cutter, John Cutter in this exciting action flick. It's a pretty decent die-hard ripoff, as far as die-hard ripoffs go, but this one takes place on a plane and a carnival. Critics hated this movie because, you know, it's kind of stupid, but it has all the makings of a fun action movie. It features a very young and very deadly 
Elizabeth Hurley, and another future inmate, Tom Sizemore. It's kind of weird to think that both of these movie stars right here would one day end up behind bars. But yeah, Passenger 57. The writer said that the title was inspired by the Heinz 57 ketchup, because hey, if it works for ketchup, it will work for a Wesley Snipes movie. And like I said, this one has some great action, and the final fight featured no stunt doubles. That's right, that's really Wesley right there. You really get to see him kick some butt. And there's a hilarious ongoing gag about Wesley being mistaken for Arsenio Hall. And, and I, I LOL'd. For reals. <laughs> Passenger 57 is the origin of the often quoted line, always bet on black. So if you've ever bet on black, you can thank the cinematic classic Passenger 57. Always bet on black. In 1993, he did a movie called Boiling Point, which was supposed to be a starring vehicle for Dennis Hopper, but because Wesley's star was rising, they cut a lot of Hopper's scenes to amplify Snipes. Then there was Rising Sun. Mr. Snipes was starring alongside Bond, James Bond himself, Sean Connery. Both Boiling Point and Rising Sun did not impress those pesky critics. <laughs> Now let's talk about his personal life. Around this same time, Wesley Snipes was arrested for weapons charges. He had a gun on him when he shouldn't have. And soon after that, he was involved in another incident, which involved a high-speed motorcycle chase, 120 miles per hour with the police. It was wild, it was crazy, it was all over the tabloids, and Wesley Snipes was forever labeled a bad boy. So now it was time for him to play a bad boy on the silver screen with the brilliant sci-fi masterpiece, Demolition Man, in 1993. You will find display. <laughs> and I cannot tell a lie, this is genuinely one of my favorite movies. It's one of those stupid action movies that's actually smart. A clever sci-fi satire of society and the human condition, dressed up as an action-packed blockbuster. It's brilliant, it's awesome, I love it. That man, he, him and his demolition, it's, it's, it's great. And it feels like Wesley Snipes is having so much fun in this role, and you can feel it. Like the fun just jumps right off the screen and smacks you in the seashells. And I have always said, I've always said this, that Wesley Snipes' performance in Demolition Man is one of my all-time favorite movie villain performances. Just because of how much fun Wesley Snipes is having. When he's having fun, I'm having fun too. Even though he's like an evil murderer. And here's a fun fact, this character actually inspired the great Dennis Rodman to dye his hair. So there's that. And we all know that Wesley Snipes is a martial arts master, and on the set of Demolition Man there was proof. The filmmakers actually had to ask Wesley to slow down his kicks because they were too fast for the camera to pick up. Wow. And Snipes did all of his own stunt work. Impressive. And Demolition Man was a really big hit, but like a fine wine, it has aged so gracefully. And now in the year 2020, it tastes even better. There has actually been a spike in viewership since the uh, COVID-19 stuff, as people have said it was predictive in its use of non-touching greetings and toilet paper shortages in a world dominated by fast food taken over by political correctness during a violent revolution. 
For some reason, nowadays, in 2020, people can relate to that. And in May of 2020, Stallone has said that a sequel could be made. He's thinking about it, and that could be a major comeback for Snipes. If they allow his character to come back from the dead, and boy howdy, did he get dead in this one. Then in 1993, there was the film Sugar Hill. Snipes got paid $2.5 million for this drama. It was his highest payday at the time. And Wesley Snipes said that he took the role because he had made so many action movies and just wanted to slow it down for a little bit. Critics hated it, but the normal, everyday, popcorn-eating audience loved it. Then came the year 1994, which was apparently the year of the skydiving action movie. It was the year of Terminal Velocity and Drop Zone. Wesley Snipes was in Drop Zone and there's actually a popular amusement park ride inspired by this movie. So, so that's nice, that's fun. Then in 1995, he did Drag, and this was during a time when that was actually controversial. It was a movie called To Wu Fong Thanks For Everything Julie Newmar. That's just a, it's a great title. And this is perhaps the most unexpected film on Wesley Snipes' filmography. He has some wonderful chemistry with his co-stars, who both received Golden Globe nominations, but poor Wesley did not. Once again, critics hated this one, but audiences loved it. <laughs> That's wonderful! That is just wonderful! <laughs> then in 1995 came the movie Money Train. Snipes would re-team with his best buddy Woody Harrelson, and the critics used words like loud, incoherent, and aimless to describe this movie. Someone even called it a big noisy headache, which sounds like a perfect movie to me. And the fan. And of course, despite being in a baseball movie before, Wesley Snipes had absolutely no idea how to play baseball. But of course, they used that movie magic to make it seem like he knew what he was doing. It's really funny to me that Wesley Snipes keeps making these sports movies, and the constant feedback is that he's very athletic, but has zero ability when it comes to actually playing the sport. I, I don't even know how that happens. Critics were not a fan of the fan, but many enjoy this intense study of toxic fandoms and appreciate how it depicts celebrities and how they're treated as objects. Cause you know, poor celebrities. Then came Murder at 1600. This was a political thriller about a murder in the White House. Murder. This movie came out in 1997, one of three movies that year that was about a president being involved in a murder plot. Those other movies were Shadow Conspiracy and Absolute Power. So in one year you had Shadow Conspiracy, Absolute Power, and Murder at 1600. Those critics called it average, but I call it slightly above average, so there. Even though Wesley Snipes loves his action movies, he did not want to get stuck in that world. So he took on interesting projects in between those big budget action films. Like this film, One Night Stand, about a one night stand. Wesley Snipes actually won his first major award, Best Actor at the Venice Film Festival, where the film was also nominated for the Golden Lion. It's like their best picture. Except it's a lion that's gold, not a naked man. And even though with all those awards, it only got 32% on those tomatoes that are rotten.com. What, how could a movie win an award and also not get a lot of tomatoes? I thought those tomatoes could be trusted. I thought awards could be trusted. Now I do not know who to trust. Maybe I should just watch movies and 
judge them on my own. That's an idea. And Wesley Snipes actually shed real tears during the dramatic scenes involving Robert Downey Jr.'s character and drug addiction because, as you know, Robert Downey Jr. was dealing with that stuff at the time, and Wesley felt like it was all too real. And those tears just came pouring out because, you know, he's an actor and he uses emotions to, to make art and stuff. Then in 1998 came U.S. Marshals. It's an unnecessary semi-sequel, semi-reboot to The Fugitive, also featuring Robert Downey Jr. But this time they replace Harrison Ford with Wesley Snipes, and they replace the train crash with a plane crash. Can't be caught! Then he was in a movie called Down in the Delta, the only film directed by the late great poet Maya Angelou. And then came Blade. That's right, Blade. I'm gonna say it one more time, Blade. Snipes was already a massive star, but this film brought his stardom to new heights. Many critics found the story lacking, but the film was redeemed by its visual style. And of course the studio wanted Lawrence Fishburne or Denzel Washington, but the film was written with Wesley Snipes in mind. Because of course he's perfect. Wesley Snipes became involved because at the time he was in negotiations with Marvel to star in a Black Panther movie. But of course that Black Panther movie never happened, we got one years later. So Wesley Snipes took on the role of this superhero vampire. Blade is considered to be the true beginning of the modern day comic book movie genre's powerful re-emergence and subsequent domination. The film opened only a year after Batman and Robin which was thought to have killed the superhero movie. But like a vampire, Wesley Snipes helped the superhero movie rise from the dead and now it had new sharp fangs and it was thirsty. Blade was a Marvel character that was not exactly mainstream, but the movie was still a huge success at the box office. Imagine that! It is believed that the success of Blade led to studios finally getting around to making those X-Men and Spider-Man movies, which, you know, changed the world and stuff. And after the success of Blade, Wesley Snipes should have gone on to do some of the biggest, bestest movies ever made, right? No, he didn't. He went on to do an ABC movie starring the only true Superman, Dean Cain, called Future Sport, about the dystopian future of 2025. It's coming. And in the year 2000, there was Disappearing Axe, an HBO film about a couple who would fight all the time, where the actress who played his mother in Blade now played his wife. Then there was Art of War, which is a film that practices none of the teachings of the actual Sun Tzu war guide, and it was a huge failure with the critics, and the audiences, and those box offices. And he helped start that undisputed franchise that, uh, keeps going. This is director Walter Hill's prison boxing movie, and it was the last non-Blade wide-release movie before Wesley Snipes went to prison. The Big House. The Kula. So of course, because Blade was so successful, they made another one and they called it Blade 2. This time, the not yet Academy Award winner, Guillermo del Toro, took over the directing duties. And Wesley Snipes says this is actually his favorite Blade movie, and many people agree. Are you one of those people? Comment your comment in the comments. Again, the critics said that the film looked good, but was lacking in the script department. You obviously do not no, you are fucking with! Then came Blade Trinity, the third one. 
and this vampire movie slayed his career. Apparently, Wesley Snipes did not enjoy making this film. Patton Oswalt says that Snipes seemed to have some sort of a mental breakdown while making it, and Wesley Snipes apparently did not like the script. So he refused to speak to the director, oftentimes refusing to come out of his trailer to shoot scenes, which resulted in them using Snipes' stand-in and using digital effects to get the shots. How can you make a movie without your movie star? Well, they somehow did it. And of course, Wesley Snipes went full a-hole on this one and went full method, because he only answered to the name Blade, and he would only communicate through post-it notes, of course signing them, Blade, and it's rumored that Wesley, I mean Blade, choked the director. It's just a rumor, but I'm gonna spread that rumor anyway. And Wesley Snipes even sued the movie studio for millions and millions of dollars over, you know, disagreements and stuff, contract violations. It, it was just a nasty, nasty, expensive mess. And absolutely nobody wanted to work with Wesley Snipes ever again after this. For a little bit, there was some big talk at Marvel that they were gonna reboot Blade with Wesley, which would have been the biggest comeback ever. It would be like combining the comebacks of Robert Downey Jr. and Ryan Reynolds, you know? And that would have been huge for Wesley. But no, the decision makers at Marvel Studios went with a two-time Oscar winner <laughs> over over Wesley Snipes, a has-been convict, with a reputation of being difficult to work with. Who are you gonna pick here, Mr. Ali or Mr. Snipes? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I understand Marvel, I understand it, and I'm looking forward to what this new Blade and what they got. What do you think? Comment your comment in the comments. Wesley Snipes actually congratulated Mr. Mahershala Ali and is looking forward to what he is uh, bringing to the character, his new interpretation. And maybe there's room for a, you know, a cameo, or he can play a different character. I don't know. Come on, MCU, there's always room for Wesley in there. Squeeze him in! Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate up Bill. But yeah, after Blade Trinity, he pretty much entered his direct-to-video phase like many other action stars of the 90s did. His once strong box office drawl had slowed to a crawl. But you still gotta pay those bills uh, and your taxes, we'll get to that in a bit. So, you know, Snipes had to enter that world of direct-to-video. Ain't no shame in that. Well, you know, sometimes there is. And these films are perfect for people like Wesley Snipes. You know, they're films that pay decent money for a big name, but don't require much work. Most of these only take a couple days to shoot. In the year 2005, Snipes appeared in three direct-to-video titles. One of those was The Marksman, about Chechnyan rebels taking over a nuclear plant, and only one man can stop them, and that one man happens to be Wesley Snipes. And this film's budget was so low that they took entire sequences from another movie, Iron Eagle, and just threw them in there, fill in the blank with another movie. 2005 also brought us Chaos a film about a grizzled veteran cop in pursuit of some no-good bank robbers. And then came the movie Seven Seconds. <laughs> and no joke, this movie was my college roommate's favorite movie. Like of all time. You see, my college roommate was Romanian, and Seven Seconds was shot in Romania, and he was so gosh darn proud of that. So we actually went out to Walmart one night and bought this DVD, and we sat down and we watched it and... And it, it, it wasn't very good. But he loves it, and I loved that he loves it. So, so, seven seconds. 
Yeah. Then in the next year, in 2006, Snipes would continue his direct-to-video streak with the film The Detonator, about a US secret agent protecting an ever-important witness while in Europe. Then he re-teamed with Mario Van Peebles, the director of New Jack City, and made a movie called Hard Luck. And of course, in 2006, Hard Luck was not just the name of one of his films, but also the potential title of his personal life. Big developments in the Wesley Snipes tax evasion case. Today, the U.S. Marshal in Orlando ordered the actor to report to prison next week. Snipes, along with two other men, were charged with one count of conspiracy to defraud the United States and one count of knowingly making or aiding and abetting the making of false and fraudulent claims for payment against the United States. At the same time, Snipes was also charged with six counts of willfully failing to file federal income tax returns by their filing dates. It was alleged that Snipes had filed a false amended tax return, which included a false tax refund claim of over $4 million for the year 1996 and a false tax return claim of $7.3 million for the year 1997. And apparently he tried to funnel his money into a religious nonprofit to avoid paying taxes because uh, he runs the Church of Wesley Snipes or something. Hallelujah. The government also charged Wesley Snipes with sending the IRS bills of exchange in the amount of 14 million. A bill of exchange is basically an IOU, which in the case of Snipes, the IRS determined were fakes. Fake IOUs? Snipes was acquitted of the more serious felony charges, conspiracy and filing a false claim, but was found guilty of three of the six misdemeanor charges of failing to file federal income tax returns, for which he received a three year jail sentence. That's right, Wesley Snipes, the movie star, the mega mega movie star, was in prison for three years. Cause of taxes. Snipes began his sentence on December 9th, 2010 at the Pennsylvania Federal Prison. And after serving some hard, hard time, Wesley walked out of that prison on April 2nd, 2013 while remaining on house arrest until July 19th of that year. Wow, famous people can go to jail too? Let this be a lesson to you kids, always pay your taxes and do legal stuff, legally. And before he went to prison, he actually uh, made two movies, one called The Contractor, and another was the sequel to Art of War, called Art of War II, Betrayal, where he's betrayed. And there was Brooklyn's Finest, Snipes' first movie to be released theatrically since Blade Trinity. Many people predicted that this would be Snipes' big comeback movie, even though he was behind bars at the time of its release. And while in prison, there were two Wesley Snipes movies released directly to video. One was called Game of Death, about a man fighting in a game of death. And a zombie western, that's right, a zombie western. I like zombies, I like westerns, I like Wesley Snipes. And the movie Gallo Walkers has all of them. So, you know, he served his time and did his thing, and now it was time for his comeback. Sometimes in life, you just need a good friend. And for Snipes, that friend turned out to be his Demolition Man co-star, Sylvester Stallone, who offered Snipes a role in Expendables 3 shortly after he was released from prison. Sylvester Stallone was the first person to believe in Wesley. And of course, all those expendable movies are just a wonderful, great time. And it's great to see any actor join in on that action-packed fun. And in the movie, you can see that Wesley Snipes actually has a sense of humor about his prison time. Check it out. So why'd you get locked away? 
tax evasion. In 2015, he did a TV series called The Player. It was Wesley Snipes' first series regular role that was cancelled after one season due to low ratings. Aww. And then he wrote a book! Like a real-life book with words and sentences and stuff and things. And it's got a title, and that title is... Talon of God. And the overlords over at Amazon describe the book like this. The acclaimed actor makes his fiction debut with this enthralling urban fantasy in which a holy warrior must convince a doctor with no faith to help stop a powerful demon and his minions from succeeding in creating hell on earth. A thrilling adventure of science and faith, good and evil, damnation and salvation. So if that sounds interesting to you, and you know how to read, you should buy this book and read it. Recently, it seems like he's sticking with his direct-to-video ways, with films like The Recall in 2017 and Armed Response, also in the year 2017. But even though he's stuck in that, uh, often disrespected direct-to-video world, Wesley Snipes has still managed to slip in a few supporting roles in critically acclaimed films, such as Spike Lee's Chirac. It's like Chicago and Iraq together, Chirac. It's a movie about women who stop having sexual relations with their men until they stop doing gang violence. But the year 2019 came Wesley Snipes' best comeback to date. It's an acclaimed Netflix movie called Dolomite Is My Name, which is Wesley Snipes' highest rated film according to those tomatoes that are rotten, with a whopping 97%. So way to go, Wesley. I really like this movie. It is so much fun. Eddie Murphy is wonderful, and Wesley Snipes is just perfect. He, his energy is still there. He's he's back. He's still got it, and you can see it in this movie. It's it's such a good movie. It's like it's like Ed Wood, but with like black exploitation. He also made a seemingly self-aware appearance on the show What We Do in the Shadows, where he appeared as a vampire calling in over Skype to a vampire council meeting. I haven't seen it yet, but it's on my queue. It looks hilarious. I like the movie, so I should like the TV show, right? Right? What do you think, Wesley? Who is this motherfucker now? This glass is motherfucker. It's lunch, Wesley. Lunch. He recently appeared in the crime drama Cutthroat City, and I actually hear good things about this one. Good, not great, but good is still good. It's about a New Orleans heist that takes place during Hurricane Katrina, and it's directed by that Wu-Tang rapper, The RZA. And unfortunately, Cutthroat City only got a limited theatrical release. You know, because coronavirus. You need to get out of the house. Get out of here! Get out of the house! Later this year, Wesley Snipes will appear in the highly anticipated Coming to America. That's a sequel to Coming to America, but the two is now a number. And that number is the number two. It's got Eddie Murphy and the guy that he got mistaken for in Passenger 57, Arsenio Hall. The film was originally set to be a big-time holiday season release for Paramount, but now has moved to Amazon Prime. Because... Coronavirus. So, what the f*** happened to Wesley Snipes? Well, it seems like if you let that Tinseltown ego get to your head, word will soon spread that you are difficult to work with. So if you do this, it will doom you to a life of lesser films. And if you're not smart with your money and you do, like, illegal things with it, you could end up behind bars. And that always, you know, interferes with your career because of, you know, laws and stuff. Don't break them. And we can all learn a thing or two from Mr. Snipes because even though he went through all of that, 
he never let it get him down. You can tell that the drive is still in there. Like, look at his eyes. He's still the same Wesley Snipes. So all in all, it seems like Wesley Snipes was a decent guy who fell in with a few of the wrong people that led to him making a few very bad decisions that cost him three years of his life. And it seems like most of the time, making a movie with Wesley Snipes is a good time. Except for, you know, Blade 3. So now it seems like Wesley Snipes is, you know, back in the groove to dominate the world, you know, through direct-to-video movies, which, uh, pretty much all movies nowadays, so, uh, I don't even know why, like, what's the difference? And he has those incredible supporting roles in those bigger prestigious films, and those have opened up a lot of doors of opportunity for Mr. Snipes. His name is now back there on that list of well-respected actors. So there's a lot of filmmakers out there with new projects coming, and I assure you, Wesley Snipes, he's being considered. I know that a major comeback is just right around the corner, and it will awaken that sleeping vampire that is the career of Wesley Snipes.